All right, guys, we're going to get right into the discussion today. Verse 10, we're going to look at verses 10 through 17. And I really entitled this lesson, Fighting Among Themselves, okay? Fighting Among Themselves. So this is going to talk about church fights. So by the way, do churches fight among themselves? Yeah, okay, maybe you have witnessed that through the years, right? Why do, why do, why do churches fight? Why, why do fights erupt in church? Okay, Bruce says egos. Anybody else? Okay, rules that church made up that they don't agree with. Yeah, that's possible, Tim. I've never heard of a fight erupting over a rule. Did you understand? Although that might be, okay. Uh, anybody else? Well, sometimes, yes, that, that's a common, a different uh, change in doctrine or so forth. Yeah, okay. Okay, they lose sight of why they're in church. Okay, all right. How about the color of the carpet? What kind of kitchen cabinets? That's exactly right. Or you're, Y'all are laughing at this, but how about whether or not if you're building a building, if it has a basement or not? Yeah, I was involved in that. I was involved in the church that had that kind of a problem. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it is egos. Because what happens is, is people think they what? Know better. Yes, and if they don't win, that's a slight. So then they leave. Okay, because usually connected with church fighting is the next thing. The outcome of that is church splits. Okay, church splits. And, um, you know, it used to be the joke that Baptists were heavily involved in church planting. And they said, wow, that's awesome. What's their method? They fight among themselves and they start another church. Did you understand what I'm saying? And, and that is true, that, that there is some truth to that. Okay. Now, I'll be honest with you, while that is true, and we have witnessed that, we don't want that, this was true in Paul's day. And Paul's going to address it because, first of all, have you ever been through a church fight? You don't need to raise your hand, but have you? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It really sucks the life out of a church. It makes going to church miserable and because I can remember times when things were going well and then everybody loved each other and then all of a sudden people don't like each other anymore. And the reasoning is totally meaningless. And But then what happens is, is there's factions and there's fighting and then what used to be doesn't exist anymore. And there's no unity. But what are we called to do? We're called to what? Be unified to love one another. And so fighting is the exact opposite of that. And so here's a church that Paul helped start. And when I say helped, he, yes, he was the primary leader, but there were other believers there as well, Priscilla and Aquila, who helped start this church in Corinth. And then he went on like he would normally do, and he's always checking on them. And then he's getting a report that they are, well, they're not in a good place. Okay, so let's take a look at it. We're going to see what the issue is. And I think there's some powerful things that we can learn from here. Because, by the way, what could we get all worked up about today, especially in our society today? 
What could we get worked up today about? Okay, Rob said it, politics. Yeah, it's election year next year, right? And, and there are some people who get so worked up about the politics, they think your Christianity is tied to who you vote for. So if you don't vote for a certain person, then you must not be a what? Christian. And then they'll voice those kind of things. Now, is that correct thinking? No, because your salvation doesn't have to do with who you vote for. Your salvation has to do whether or not you know Jesus or not as Savior and Lord, right? Now, that should guide you in who you vote for, right? That's obviously true. But that can create a problem. I've met people like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who will say, well, you shouldn't vote for him or you shouldn't vote for her or whatever. And I'm like, okay. But that has nothing to do with my whether or not I'm a believer. Being a believer should guide me in how I vote. But that could erupt. What else could, could cause a fight? How money is spent, okay, yes, how money is spent in the church. Jane mentioned cabinets, okay? So we're redoing the basement downstairs, okay? So the type of floor could cause a fight. You would say, really? Are you kidding me? We, we really had a good thing going here, George. Are you? I'm telling you, it's possible. At the right moment, the right time, anything can erupt, and it goes back to what Bruce said earlier, what did you say earlier, Bruce? Egos. Yeah, egos. Do you know what I'm saying? Egos. So let's take a look here. We're going to focus on, first of all, we're going to look at verses 10 through 17, but let's first of all talk about the issue of divisions in the church, verses 10 through 12. Here's what Paul writes. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be, not be, be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is, is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas. Or, I follow Christ. Now, let's talk about this. This is interesting. This is what they're fighting. You wonder what they're fighting over? Who they think the best preacher is. Now, some of you are laughing. That, that just seems ridiculous, right? But what's it about? Get back to what Bruce said earlier. Egos, right? All right, so let's take a look here. So the basis for his plea. Speaking with the authority of Jesus Christ, Paul pleads with them. So he's not just talking about, as here, I'm your buddy, listen to me. He's coming along and he's saying, in the authority of who I am, in the authority of Jesus Christ as an apostle, you need to listen to me. You need to listen to me, okay? Paul appeals to them that they be united in their testimony. What do you mean their testimony? Well, look with me. That all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, that you be, not, be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. 
So he wants them to be united in their testimony. So first of all, when there are church fights, is that kind of like an internal thing that nobody knows about? No, typically, everybody else knows about it, right? Did you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because the people who are involved can't keep talking about it. They talk about it with everybody. Who do they talk about it with? The guys they hang out with for coffee in the morning. Other Christians from other churches. Do you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it, it begins to get a reputation around the community and so forth because of their testimony of fighting among themselves. You say, is that real, George? Yeah, but the point is, he's talking to them, he's appealing to them that they be united in their testimony. Okay? That they be united. Now, what parts of their testimony? Well, he tells them that they be united in their thinking. They need to be thinking the same way again. Well, if they're talking about who the best preacher is, there's no way to... Yeah, but that's the wrong thinking. What they need to be united in is in their thinking about the gospel and about Jesus and about the reality of why they're there and so forth. That's what they need to be focused on, not on individual who's the best preacher type thing. He'd received a report of a problem from the household of Chloe. Now, who's Chloe? We don't know much about who Chloe is. All we know is, is that she probably was someone of affluence or wealth or whatever, and she hosted the church in her home. They didn't have buildings back then. They met in homes. So she probably is the one who they met in her home, and then someone, probably a servant or somebody, had relayed a report to Paul that there was this fighting going on. So he'd received this report. And he hears that the Corinthian church was fragmented with quarrels. So they're quarreling among each other. Now it's interesting, when you look at who they're quarreling about, um, what, are they, what are they doing? Paul identifies the various groups in the church. So Paul's aware of what they're quarreling about and what groups they are. So what they had was they had different groups. So they had people who said, I'm of Paul. Meaning, Paul's the guy who started the church. I was here when Paul was here. I'm a Paul. You know what I'm saying? Then there was Apollos. Now, who's Apollos? Now, if you remember from the book of Acts, Apollos was a guy who Priscilla and Aquila took under their wing. He was a disciple of John the Baptist. He was an eloquent speaker. He was from Alexandria, well-versed in the scriptures. But they filled in the whole message of the gospel, and he received the Holy Spirit, and he was a good teacher. So here you had Paul, then you have this excellent teacher, then there were some who said, I'm of Cephas. Now, who's Cephas? Anybody know who Cephas is? Peter, yes. Now, this group probably, why would they say they're of Peter? Well, they follow the apostles in Jerusalem. They're probably the group that's trying to impose the Old Testament law on everyone, okay? They're trying to impose the Old Testament law. And then you've got the final group who says, I'm with Jesus. What's their deal? They win. Yeah, <laughs> they win. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm with Jesus. I'm the spiritual one here. I don't follow those dudes. I follow Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? And... 
I'm saying? So they've got these factions here based upon various groups in the church. Now, do you think anything's changed through the years? Do you think anything's changed? No, why? Okay, I see Lori nodding no. I see, okay, first of all, Jane, why do you think it hasn't changed? Okay, people following after men. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, there's a structure there, and and their system is set up differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, okay, you see people are like, I listen to so-and-so, or I listen to this guy. What were you going to say, Lori? Yeah, it's it's you hear people. It's like somebody coming in here saying, George, why don't you be like Steve Furtick? First of all, you may not know who that is, but he pastors a huge church down in Charlotte, the Charlotte area, Elevation Church. Sometimes we sing their music, okay? Why don't you preach like him? Or why don't you preach like John MacArthur or John Piper or uh, the guy over Alistair Begg? You know what I'm saying? Whoever you're listening to on the radio, why don't, why don't you do it? First of all, I'm not them, and they're not me. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and that's, that's ridiculous, but that's exactly what's going on here with this church. That's still happening today, isn't it? Yeah. But the real spiritual people says, I listen to the Spirit, you know? That's not helping matters either. That, that's not the point. The point is we need to be unified, okay? Unified. So look, look with me now. He's going to tell them, here's his response. Look with me at verses 13 through 17. Here's how Paul responds to this. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say they were baptized in my name. I did, all, I did baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. All right, so here's how Paul's going to respond to this. And I think if you think about what he's saying, it's exactly right. If you think about any kind of ego-driven response that's causing problems in the church, think about how he's responding here, okay? So first of all, he says, he asked them if Christ is divided. And what do you think he means by that? Let's ponder that for a moment. Is Christ divided? Now, what does that have to do with anything, George? Think about it. Is Christ divided? What do you think he's getting at here? Lori? Okay, is Christ more for one side of the argument than, than the other? Okay, that's a good thought. Sometimes I've heard that Jesus is on our side type thing. Are you sure Jesus is on your side? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? What if Jesus isn't on anybody's side? Well, think about it. I, I thought this, was, this just came to my mind. Think about Joshua the night before he goes against Jericho. He sees the angel of the Lord and standing in his mighty with a sword drawn and, and the Joshua, who are you? 
Whose side are you on? Read, read it in, in Joshua. And, and, and the angel responds, which I think is the pre-incarnate Christ, neither. I am the captain of the Lord of the host. You know, I mean, it's like, I'm God. I'm on nobody's side. Are you on my side? That's the issue. So, yeah, okay, that's possible, but I think there's something else going on here. What else do you think it is? When he says, is Christ divided, what do you think is going on here? Because the church, let me help you, the church is what? Not just a group of people, but Paul will bring it out in this letter later. It's what? The body of Christ. So he's saying, is the body of Christ divided? Now, th think about your body, okay? So we're going to have lunch here soon. Half of you wants a cheeseburger. The other half wants pizza. So there's this battle going on where you're, you're slapping the other side. Does, is, that, is that realistic? It might be a mental battle, but you know what I'm saying? That that's just seems funny to us. There's no way. The body is not divided. Or uh, it's time for us to go, but your foot wants to stay in the church. So you just leave your foot and go somewhere? That, 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 that is... Is the body divided? No, is Christ divided? So, but yet when they're fighting among themselves, they're dividing the body of Christ, right? Okay, they're, div they're dividing the body of Christ. Now here's what he says. The universal body of Christ is not divided, neither should its local expression be. So do you realize that with every believer in the world, we're a part of a universal church? Okay? We're part of the universal church. But this church is a local expression of that body. Every local church is an expression of the overall principle of our being united with each other as believers. And so when you think about that, is the body supposed to be divided? No. Even the local expression is not supposed to be divided. So he gets further now. He's getting right to the issue of someone saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of this. He, he says, look, he asked them, Paul asked if he was crucified for them. So was Paul crucified? He could have gone further, but he doesn't. He says, was Apollos crucified for you? Or was Cephas crucified for you? No. No. No, that's not, that, that's, think about it. Their focus is wrong. He says, no man or leader won salvation for the Corinthians except Jesus Christ. So, okay, think about it for a moment. I want everybody here to think about the moment you gave your life to Jesus. Who was responsible for that? Yeah, God, Jesus. Now you could say, well, you know, my mom helped me to understand. Well, your mom helped you, but did your mom save you? No. Did your grandma save you? Did the TV preacher that you listened to who helped you to understand and you accepted Christ, did he? Did, no, no. Who saved you? Jesus, right? The Spirit of God, Jesus, God did, okay? So no man or leader won anyone's salvation. Nobody. Period. So understand that, okay? So except Jesus. So he asked them if they were baptized in his name. Were they? No. 
I think it's interesting. People, this is still funny today. I just read of uh, Bear Grylls. Do you guys know who he is? The adventurer. You know, he is a Christian. I don't know if you know that. Okay. And uh, I saw a report, and it's and it's fine that he did that. He was in Israel, and he got baptized in the River Jordan, something that he always wanted to do. Okay. Now, did he need to do that? No, no, he didn't need to do that because he was already baptized earlier. And so sometimes we put significance on our baptisms that we don't need to. That's really not the issue, is it? This is what Paul's trying to say. He says, look, was anybody baptized? I'm glad nobody was. I, he mentions a few names, but he says, that, that isn't the, I'm not, I didn't come to baptize, Okay. Get your focus, he's trying to tell them, get your focus on the person that you're supposed to be focused on. And who's that, folks? Who does, who does your focus need to be on? Jesus. God. Not Paul, Paulus, Cephas. You know what I'm saying? On the Lord. Okay? On the Lord. So, their allegiance was owed to no man except Jesus Christ. Their allegiance was owed to no man except Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so I, I find it interesting. I was talking to another pastor about this here recently, uh, about you know pastoring for 22 years. And when you pastor in a church, there are, for a pastor, there are different shifts, time frames that things change. So how I pastor now is completely different than how I pastored when I first came. Because when I first came, nobody knew who I was. It's kind of like going on a date. You don't really know about person anybody on the first date, right? You, you kind of get to know them after a while. It's kind of like when you get married. Your, your knowledge of somebody in the first year is completely different after 30 years, right? You understand you get to know each other and so forth. And, and that's the same thing for me. I realized that. And, and, and here's what happens, though. When, when a pastor is here, you become the pastor, and people look to you. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. What am I getting at here? I could go off the deep end tomorrow. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I could go off the deep end tomorrow, and, and I've watched this. I watched this with a, with a friend of mine who led a church. He had about... 700 people in the church. He fell to adultery with his secretary. And half the church wanted him to stay the pastor when he resigned. What? Really? First of all, that was devastating. That church doesn't exist anymore now because it never recovered, okay? But half of them wanted him to stay. Who's, where was their allegiance? On the man, yes. Their allegiance was on the man, and therefore they split. Did you understand? In so many different ways, they never healed because their allegiance needed to be on what? The body. Do you understand what I'm saying? The body. And, and so Paul's sitting here saying, you know what? He's glad he didn't baptize anyone. 
because they don't owe their allegiance to him or any of these other guys or any of the leaders that would happen later on. They owe their allegiance to who? The Lord Jesus Christ, period. Bottom line, okay? Bottom line. So Paul stated he was thankful that he only baptized two among them. He did not want them to attach some spiritual significance to being baptized by him. By the way, if I go off the deep end, you need to say goodbye to me. Bottom line, okay? You just need to say goodbye. It's been good, George, but goodbye. That, that's the right thing to do. Now, try to find me help, but trying to find me help is different than keeping me as pastor. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just being honest with you. That's what should be done. Paul does remember baptizing Stephanus' household, so he's, he's, right, so he's, is he's thinking as he's writing. So Paul was to proclaim the gospel, not baptize. His point of what he was supposed to do was to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, not baptize, all right? Not baptize. He did not proclaim the gospel with clever speech. Now, he says this a couple of more times later. He didn't come to them with eloquent speech. It wasn't about the show or how he did a presentation. It was about preaching the gospel and the power of God. Let God do the work, all right? Let God do the work. And in doing so, he would make the cross of Christ meaningless. If it was about him, he said, if it was about him, then he would make the cross of Christ meaningless. Do you understand? Listen, the reason why you're here today is not because I'm here today because I like George's preaching or I like the music or something. If that were the reason, then you make the cross of Christ meaningless. Why? Because then Christianity has to do with a guy or a group of people up there ministering or whatever or the whatever. Christianity is, has to be about who, folks? The cross of Christ and his salvation, period. That's what it's about. Not, not a guy, not anyone. And that's what he's saying here. If they look to him and say, oh, Paul, Paul, Paul says, then you make the cross of Christ meaningless. Okay? Now, all right, so next week we're going to get further into it because he's going to delve some more into it.